Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games. And today we were talking about ropers. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How you doing today? I'm doing quite well. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Strange weathers have appeared in Southern California. Indeed, it is raining in the middle of summer, and it's Uh, quite humid outside. so hot. It's very unpleasant. Yeah. Sorry, East Coasters. I'm not accustomed to this. This is just what you do all the time. That's why I don't live there. (laughs) What do we got? What do we got? (laughs) Well, we got a monster episode. Uh, we are making our way through the monster manual to cover all the classic D&D monsters that we somehow missed throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I have found that these monsters of late have more in common than simply being D&D classics. Oh, what's that? Uh, they are all under dark slash underground dwellers. Yeah, some of the best stuff is down there, honestly. Yeah. So, so far this year, we've covered the, the Boulet, the Umber Hulk, the Rust Monster, and now we're doing the Roper. Very cool. Uh, all D&D classics and all Underdark Dwellers. Yeah, um, not not all of them are sensitive to farts, just some of them. Uh, yeah, um, let me see. Umber, no, Rust, no, none of them sensitive to farts. Not these ones, huh? No, yeah, not these still ones. Still don't fart down there, though. Don't fart in it's the still, Underdark. Yeah. That is an old joke that new people will not understand. A lot of people still talk about, like, yeah. don't fart in the Underdark. Don't fart in the it's underdark. just like the Underdark stuff we're doing now. We did all the fart stuff first. Now yeah. we're doing the non fart stuff. Year of the Dragon stuff was the fart year as well. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn plumps. So, yeah, the Roper is one of those D&D monsters that is just so obviously a D&D monster. Have you seen a Roper? You yeah. Know what a Roper? Okay, Doesn't cool. it have all the... Yes, yes, yeah. very much so. Mm-hmm. Anyone familiar with the hobby would look at a Roper uh, image without any context and immediately know that's a D&D monster. Right, like a beholder. Yeah, it's not based on any mythological or cryptozoological creature, and it has this very particular bizarre look that only monsters from the mid-20th century pulp fantasy fiction have. I like this one. It's a fun monster. I think I've used one in, like, a throwaway game before. Yeah. I was like, let me grab They're this fun. guy. They're fun. Down. Yeah. yeah. And like with many things in this game that we love so much, it has lore that goes back to first edition. We like that. And then it also has very, very separate different fourth edition lore. We like that. <laughs> 
And I, again, am not going to tell you which lore is cooler. You can decide for yourself. Spoilers, though. It's the fourth edition lore. Uh, and we have a third lore source contender entering the ring. Pathfinder has a roper of its own, and it takes these beasties uh, to a very unique place. I like that. Okay. Um, but now, without further ado, let's get into it. Shall we? Indeed. So at a glance, a roper resembles a rocky outcropping, usually having the appearance of a stalagmite or a stalactite. They have a rough surface exterior, similar to rock in both appearance and texture. Uh, in its base form, the creature's hide is yellowish gray and rough, but ropers are able to alter the color of their skin in order to blend in with the rock surrounding them. Cool. That's already creepy. Mm -hmm. Like good for caves oh yeah definitely to further their camouflage abilities ropers are also extremely malleable beings able to squeeze their bodies into a variety of shapes that help them blend with their environment uh though they are usually pillar like in shape about nine feet tall and three feet in diameter at the base and about one foot in diameter at the top ropers can compress their bodies down and assume a boulder like shape and even fully flatten themselves out so that they look like a mere lump on the cavern floor oh man so they're like extra sneaky yes wow as one would imagine, uh, ropers use this camouflage in order to better attack with surprise or unsuspecting prey. Uh, when it does so, the roper reveals its true form. The roper has a single yellow eye and a maw ringed with sharp teeth. Mm. Uh, every roper has six nubs set along its body, uh, through which extrude sticky tendrils that bond to whatever they touch. Each tendril sends out hair-like growths that penetrate a creature's flesh and sap its strength so the victim can struggle only weakly as the roper reels them in. That's cool. The only other monster I can think of off the top of my head that just sort of like has sticky body like that, it's like, you know, the cubes and the jellies and stuff but yeah. also like the mimic does that yeah that's true that's very true. interesting i like that the mimic does it too because like you'd be touching it the stuff thinking it's not that kind of stuff mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. it is that kind of stuff it is it is yeah. Under that might happen here too huh? yeah we, you shall see look at this cool rock ah! Yep. All right. Sorry. Underneath the roper's body are many cilia-like appendages. Uh, these provide the roper with limited movement and are able to excrete the same sticky substance found on the roper's web-like strands. This anchors the roper when it drags large prey towards itself and also allows it to climb walls and hang from the ceilings. That's gross. You what know, do you think the inspiration, the true inspiration for creating something like this I couldn't is? find that one for this one. You know how I usually like to say, hey, Gary Gygax, look at a toy and said, this is this now. Didn't have that for this. Sorry, man. I don't want to say the, the thing. I already know what you're going to say. Yeah. So You know the term shooting ropes? Uh, no, I've never actually heard that term. Keep going All with right. the lore. I don't want to talk yeah. about it. All <laughs> right. I, already, I said the thing. You can urban dictionary the thing. Let's just move on. Living in caves and caverns throughout the Underdark, voracious ropers feast on whatever they can catch and seize. A roper eats any creature from Underdark Beasts to adventurers in their gear. Oh, man. It eats it? <clears throat> yep. The gear? Yep. Oh, we're going to get actually really into that in a minute. The roper is an evolved, mature form of piercer with which it shares its rock-like appearance and hunting tactics. A roper can hold still for long hours, shutting its single eye to look like nothing more than a mundane formation of rock. Creatures that come too close are surprised when the eye snaps open and sticky tendrils shoot out. Oh, no, the ropes uh, to seize them. <laughs> Sorry. The roper then makes horrible guttural sounds as it reels in its struggling victims, drawing them close for the fatal bite of its stony teeth. Gross. The thing you said was gross. I, I don't know if you know how gross. I, I have an idea how gross. So I, I was wondering what the missing piece was here because I've used the piercer, not the roper. Mm -hmm. I was like, mm -hmm. why does it sound so familiar? But also, why is it doing all this extra stuff? I remember you using a piercer, but why can't I remember the I context? used it on you when you let me DM in, your, in our first campaign together. 
that's that's where that is where I remember yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> they're fun. They're really yeah, cool because they they're going to do damage right off the bat, pretty yeah. much. Mm -hmm. A roper has no sense of smell and a very limited sense of touch. It it's very limited sense of touch. It's confined mostly to its cilia to aid it in moving around. The roper's thick skin does not permit much feeling to penetrate. According to Dragon Magazine 232. Here we fucking go. Hey, we're back. The roper uses echolocation to find its prey. Oh. Since the roper has only one eye, it has a lack of depth perception. Uh, this would ordinarily cause it to be a poor shot when trying to shoot its rope. <laughs> There it is again. Uh, however, by sending an ultrasonic pulse, oh no, and hearing the echo, it is able to sense its surrounding with great accuracy. I'm fighting the dick jokes. I'm fighting them. They're winning. The dick jokes are winning. They always win. The <laughs> they always win. Oh my God. A roper can use its echolocation ability to target prey even in conditions of absolute darkness. It can likewise sense invisible creatures without penalty. However, the roper uses its echolocation only when actively hunting prey. Now, unfortunately, this cool bit of monster lore is not reflected in the 5e monster stat block at all. No. But if you wanted to include this ability, I would probably mod the roper to have the ability to gain blind sight 50 feet for one round by using uh, an echolocation bonus action. Okay. Which I think would track with its lore. You can also give it, like, limited, even more limited blind sense so it can, like, feel vibrations in the ground nearby it. There within we go. Within 10 feet. That's, that's also a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. Ropers don't so much sleep as go into a light trance. While in this state, they are aware of their surroundings and can, and can readily return to a fully alert state if necessary. The trance is a way of preserving energy, much like hibernation, although the trance seldom lasts longer than a day or two. Okay. Since the roper can see only what is directly in front of it during its trance, it usually positions itself in a corner or flattens itself on a wall or ceiling of a cavern, or it is less likely to be approached undetected. So it's an elf turned rock. Maybe that would be cool lore, like these elves got turned into rock people, now they hang from the ceiling and do their trance. I, mean, I guess. I, <laughs> I mean, drow bad. maybe? I don't know. <laughs> um, as a fully grown uh, roper can't... Wait, wait, wait. A fully grown roper can stand nine feet tall. It can swallow creatures up to a medium size. Uh, lacking hands or arms, the strands are good only at dragging objects closer like a winch. The roper swallows creatures whole if possible. The like-like does that in Zelda. Um, it, it just eats people? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It eats Link and eats and, a shield? Yes, it, yeah, it does. It's back. Tears of the Kingdom, baby. Yeah, and more demonic and dick-looking than ever. That's right. <laughs> A rope can digest only one creature or so at a time, but this won't stop it from attacking additional prey if opportunity presents itself. In such an instance, instance, the roper attacks and kills its prey, then lets it sit in a heap while it digests its current meal. The digestion of a medium-sized creature can take up to a full day, after which time the roper swallows its next kill. Oh my it just goodness. just keeps on nomming. It's a sarlacc pit, but yeah. mobile. Mm-hmm. The roper's digestive processes are nothing short of incredible. Its powerful stomach acids are able to digest almost anything from the softest, fle softest flesh to the hardest metal. Two notable exceptions to this are platinum and gemstones, which the roper is unable to digest. Okay. For this reason, these substances are often found undigested inside a roper's stomach. I was going to ask. It just eats them anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in its stomach, they are put to good use, grinding up the roper's meal, much like the stones swallowed by some birds for the same reason. Wait, it's aiding in digestion in there? Yep. That's That sucks. It's just like squeezing its tummy and that you're just getting Yeah, like... the gems and platinum are, are grinding up against everything. Oh, yep. God. Yep. Along with the acid. This is terrible. 
Yeah, it's a pretty gross creature. The stomach acid from a slain roper is worth about four gold pieces per ounce to an alchemist. A fully grown roper can supply 80 to 120 ounces of the acid, but it must be carefully harvested and stored only in platinum vials. Other roper byproducts include the glands that produce the sticky glue coating its cilia and strands. Mm -hmm. The glue itself sells for about eight gold pieces per ounce or 25 gold pieces per gland, of which the roper has a total of four. And the eye, which is considered a delicacy among certain humanoid races, not not iterated many more upon. I hate this. Roper glue is a valuable component used in the preparation of sovereign glue. How very Dragon Magazine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my god. So according to Five E, Roper's larva form Roper's larva forms are another monster called the Piercer, which we will talk about shortly. Okay. But Dragon Magazine disagrees. <laughs> cool. And offers an alternative breeding process. According to Dragon 232. Hold on, I gotta guess. Do they like slap together like giraffes when they're fighting? That'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> they do in my world now. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. They, they, they slap and then babies fall out. No, they don't. They don't draft slap. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> where was I? According to Dragon Magazine 232, ropers reproduce asexually. Fun. When doing so, a roper seed is dropped for, off the parent's body, and this seed looks exactly like a large rock, probably for protection since an immature roper has no means of attack, and its main source of sensory input, its single eye, is buried in the creature's interior until it hatches as a fully grown roper. Okay, so no piercer, just roper. No piercer. Right. This okay. is Dragon Magazine's version. No piercer, yeah, yeah. only rope. Only uh, roper. <laughs> we don't have time for the piercer. Yeah. We must have we just have the roper in its oh, full capacity. Over the next two D four weeks, depending on the size of the seed and the depth of the underdark, an immature roper absorbs the magical emanations of the underdark, which allow it to grow. So it's been a very, very, very long time since we did our original underdark episode. Mm-hmm. Um the Underdark is permeated by this magical fog that has a name that I don't remember, um, but it can cause magic to go haywire. It's it's just, it permeates the entire Underdark. Yeah. So that's what this thing is absorbing. Okay. So it's using that to sustain itself and like become... To rapidly grow over yeah. weeks and become a fully grown rubber, yeah. That makes sense if you're living in the Underdark and there's not a lot going on down there, but the fog... Like the fog is full of energy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. God, I can't remember the name of the fog. Oh, uh, well, I'm sure on. it'll be oop in the comments. Yeah. Thanks, um, commenters. We appreciate you. According to Five E, the larval forms of ropers are called piercers. Clinging to the ceilings of caverns and large subterranean passages, piercers blend in perfectly with natural rock, dropping in silence to impale unsuspecting foes on the ground below. <laughs> a rock-like shell encases a piercer's body, giving it the look and texture of a stalactite. That shell protects a soft, slug-like upper body that lets the piercer move across cavern walls and ceilings to position itself for prey. With its eye and mouth closed, the piercer is difficult to distinguish from ordinary rock formations, very much like a roper. Uh, I got it. It's fairsness? Fairsris? Oh, yeah. It's It's F-A-E-R-Z-R-E-S-S. Fares Ray, Fares Res was Fares a magical Res. radiation yeah. only found in the Underdark. Yeah, there you a go. remnant of high magic that helped shape the Underdark itself. It interfered with the casting of teleportation and divination spells. Uh, thank you, Forgotten Realms Wiki. Indeed. Piercers can see, but they can also respond to noise and heat, waiting for living creatures to pass beneath them, then falling to attack. A piercer that misses its chance to kill must make its slow way back to the ceiling. 
A fallen piercer excretes a foul-smelling slime when attacked, making most predators think twice about eating it. It's a pretty common natural self-defense mechanism. Yes, and for anybody that thinks they're being followed, just let them crawl back up there, baby. Walk by. Yeah, good point. Piercers gather in colonies to maximize the effectiveness of their attacks, dropping simultaneously to increase the odds of striking prey. After a piercer successfully slays a creature, the others slowly creep towards the corpse to join in the feast. Yum, that's great. <laughs> Ropers are not social and rarely cooperate with one another, though a group of them may be found in a good hunting spot. A group of ropers has been named a cluster by scholars. Okay. Thanks, so scholars. Thanks, thanks fictional scholars. <laughs> Uh, they seldom leave the caverns, but may migrate to a new feeding ground when prey population drops too low in its current home. Migration usually occurs through underground tunnels, but when this is not possible, ropers travel late at night, sometimes giving rise to the stories of walking stones. That's kind of cool, That's actually. pretty cool. You see some creepy shit out there. Yeah. Underdark is cool, man. I really like... I've, I've it's run, always fun, yeah. I've run players through the Underdark for like a stint, mm -hmm. and I, I threw the uh, Myconids at them. I threw the, um, the Kuatoa at them. I threw like... Stone giants, Adam. It was a lot of fun. That's cool, dude. Yeah. So that's it for 5e Roper lore. Okay. It's fourth edition time. Let's dial it back from five to four and talk about an old edition's lore. Are you ready for this? Yes. All right. Ravenous ropers jut up from the ground or hang from cavern ceilings. They exactly. look like stalagmites or stalactites until prey draws near, at which point they lash out with tentacles and pull quarry towards their toothy maws. Check. Ropers are methodical hunters that inhabit uh, caves and passages that are frequented by smaller creatures. A roper creeps into position and hides itself amid the rock. A roper's lair is safe only to creatures that have reached an understanding with the resident roper. Oh. A roper might have specific tastes, preferring to eat elves or humans over beasts and less civilized humanoids. When a roper kills a creature that has valuables, it devours the treasure, which it keeps inside its gizzard to help with digestion. I can taste its pretentiousness, and it is preferred. <laughs> Ropers might look like brainless beasts, but they're fairly intelligent and frequently make agreements with other creatures that live near them. Okay. These arrangements are usually truces between ropers and other underground denizens. For example, rather than fight a roper and lose numbers to it, a drow patrol might agree to bring a roper a prisoner or treasure as payment for passage. Mm, that makes sense. Canny underdark creatures use the presence of ropers to thin the numbers in a group of intruders. A creature might lure a party into a cave of ropers and then attack anyone the roper doesn't grab. Ropers have long lifespans, so a deal with a roper might extend for several generations. Interesting. As long as each side continues to honor the agreement. A humanoid community might be required to pay a seasonal or yearly tribute to appease a roper. So this feels more like a, like a bridge troll or something. Yeah, it's going to get weirder as we keep going. Excellent. So it's not <laughs> Underdark specific in 4E, it's any cave. Like I how I would so. use it in 5E. I guess, but... Yeah, it does it, mention the Underdark here, which is just a big cave, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Since ropers live in a dormant state most of the time, they don't share the voracious appetite that leads many dungeon monsters to attack anything they see. A roper waits until the time is right, until the perfect victim wanders by. It might wait for a large traveling it might wait for large traveling parties to pass, looking for a smaller group or lone traveler. Once it does strike, the roper drags enemies towards its maw to devour them quickly. When facing a group, it hopes that seeing the grisly fate of the first victim will cause the others to retreat. Interesting. Kind of like a, like hunters in the wild, how they'll go for like the sick and, and meek looking. Right, okay. right, yeah. Adventurers and treasure hunters seek out ropers because of the wealth of gems and magic trinkets stored within the creature's gizzards. Tales of roper treasure troves usually neglect to mention that a roper acquires such valuables over many 
many generations of slain travelers and adventurers. Right. Doesn't just fucking <clears throat> find that shit. Yeah. Thus, it's common for a townsperson or explorer to underestimate the power of a roper when he or she sets out to kill one. A roper sometimes regurgitates a few gems onto the floor near its hiding spot. It waits patiently, sometimes for weeks, until a foolhardy humanoid comes along, notices the gems, and bends over to recover the treasures. Okay, so there might be, like, a legend in town, and your foolhardy, like, party of new adventurers is, like, gung-ho to get some cash real mm-hmm. quick. It's like, oh, we'll go kill the roper. And they're like, don't go, young man. They're going to eat you. And he's yeah. like, that thing eats me. I'm the best. And then they might go get eaten. Yeah, cool. you got it. Although ropers are found throughout the caves and tunnels of the world, they hail from the elemental chaos in oh. 4E. There, they cluster into huge colonies. Creatures inhabiting the elemental chaos are wary of a migrating earth moat called the Spired Hell, where hundreds of ropers live. What the fuck? <laughs> when this earth moat crashes into another piece of land, ropers spread out across the new landscape. After stripping the area of living creatures, they return to the Spired Hell and hibernate until they crash into a new destination. That's fucking cool. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Fori, bro. It just slams over and yeah, like spores. fucking like... ropers oh. everywhere. They eat everything and then they get back on their fucking meteor. That is, oh my <laughs> God, a, an Astro Eater covered in ropers? Yeah. yeah there that we would go. be awesome. <laughs> A roper reproduces asexually and passes on all of its memories to its offspring. Oh, what? As a result, a roper that has lived in one cave for its entire life can remember distant lands and even the other planes of existence. If a roper is bribed with treasure or a delectable living creature, it might reveal information or secrets from its ancient memories. Wow. A story that every roper knows, yet few will share, tells of the roper's creation. The tale claims that the first ropers sloughed off the rocky flesh of the primordial Vezevu. No, Ve- Vezevu, the burning mountain. What? I tell you, Fori explains everything and they get crazy with it. It's so detailed. At first, the ropers were fast and hot like lava, but eventually <laughs> they cooled and became the creatures they are today. Ropers believe that one day Vezevu will return and reignite them and call upon them to serve as his forces against the gods. Oh my God, it sounds like a zombie apocalypse, like yeah. World War Z, like yeah. fast zombies versus slow zombies. Yeah. Dang, can you imagine doing like a Resident Evil campaign where you're uh, you're having like slow zombies and then they just randomly become become fast fast zombies zombies halfway through because of some world event? That'd be crazy. It's like, wait, what happened? (laughs) Why are they so fast now? Uh, Slow Dan finally died. He made it it this long through the zombie apocalypse (laughs) because all the zombies were slower than him. (laughs) All right. uh, Pathfinder has entered the arena with with a roper of their own. You ready? (laughs) A new challenger. Yes, indeed. The Roper is uh, Pathfinder Roper is an ambush hunter capable of altering the coloration and shape of its body. A Roper in hiding looks remarkably like a stalagmite or stone of stone or ice. Uh, in areas without such features to hide among, a Roper can compress its body into a much more squat boulder-like shape. The strands it extrudes are not flesh, but a thick semi-liquid material similar to partially melted wax, but with the strength of an iron chain and the ability to numb flesh and sap strength. Oh, that's cool. The Roper can manipulate these strands with great finesse and can fling them as far as 50 feet to snatch objects that attract its attention. Interesting. Okay. Although alien and monstrous in shape, the Roper is in fact one of the most intelligent denizens of the deep caverns of the world. They do not form large societies, although Ropers can be found living among some deep-dwelling denizens like the intellect devourers, intellect devourers or neo, neo, neothelids, with whom they have been known to sometimes ally, but often congregate in small clusters. Particularly interested in the philosophy of life and death and the finer points of the more cruel and sinister religions of the world. A roper can talk or argue for hours with those that initially sought merely to eat. 
Wow, okay. So more bridge troll. <laughs> Stories? Well, yeah, philosopher bridge troll. Right, though. or smart bridge I don't think bridge troll has to be stupid, right? No, no, yeah. not at all. Sto- ask riddles, right, in philosophy questions? Yeah, well, yeah. riddles. I don't know about philosophy, but maybe. It could. Maybe. So you're a bridge troll, right? Indeed. <laughs> uh, stories speak of, I'm trying to think of like a, a pun with troll and Socrates or or Plato and nothing's coming to me, but sorry. Anyways, Shadow on the wall is the Roper's <laughs> wiener shape. I don't no, know. No, <laughs> I hate it. Why? I'm philosophizing with this dick. <laughs> Stories speak of particularly skilled debaters and philosophers who have been kept for days or even years as pets or conversational companions by roper clusters. But in the end, if such pets don't eventually escape, a roper's appetite always wins out over its intellect, intellectual curiosity, especially in cases where pets are constantly outmaneuvering their keeper's wits and patience. It usually gets to Descartes, and then it's like, mom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go. We'll call it there. Yep. A roper is nine feet tall and weighs 2,200 pounds. Uh, some ropers are far more mutable than their cousins. These ropers, sometimes called molting stranglers, shed their external rocky carapace every few months, sloughing it off like crusted dead skin. Uh, each time their skin sheds, the roper's form becomes less permanent and more changeable. They gain the ability to assume other forms, taking on diverse shapes, even mimicking the appearance of other creatures in the same manner as a mimic. Additionally, they their shed skin sometimes clings to miserable to a miserable semblance of life, acting as a simulacrum of the roper for a short time before dying horribly. Uh, two, 2,200 pounds is 997.903 kilograms. I apologize. And what, like nine feet tall is like three meters-ish? Close. A little, little more or a little less? Uh, it's, it's right there. It's right there. Yeah. Um, did you hear what I said about the mimic, mimic, or that uh, it can mimic other creatures? I was Googling for people that don't work in, in okay. imperialism. Yeah. Um, ropers, there are some ropers that are called molting stranglers. They can molt their skin multiple times. And they, every time they do, they become more malleable and flexible oh. and they can eventually just take on the appearance of other creatures. Oh, wow. Okay. Fuck. And, and then what's worse is that their shed skin sometimes clings to life as a, like a simulacrum of themselves. I kind of heard that time. part. Yeah. yeah. The molting stranglers often use these pathetic shed skins to lure enemies into traps, hastening the end of their, of their sick half-life. Oh, <laughs> Common ropers are composed of a rock-like substance similar to granite or marble, but varieties are composed of different stone. One of the more dangerous mutations is made of a stone similar to basalt. Uh, these ropers are called vulcards, uh, lack their cousin's vulnerability to fire, and instead are immune to it. Additionally, these ropers feed on fire, growing stronger and healthier when exposed to it. Any attack against a vulcard that deals fire damage heals one point of damage. For every four points of fire damage that it would otherwise deal, vulcard gets no saving throw against attacks that deal fire damage. That sounds like some Pathfinder stuff to me. Next, we're talking about Sigil Crabs. Crags. Sigil Crag. Yeah. Sigil Sigil Crags. Or is it Sigil Crags? It's Sigil Crags. Sigil Crags are a strange and timeless race of ropers which manifest bizarre and powerful runes of crystal on their rocky exteriors. Oh. These sigils of power crystallize after a particularly interesting meal, which usually takes days instead of hours, and most often when the prey is a powerful spellcaster. Oh, okay. Sigil crags often munch down the caster's hands first, leaving him incapable of casting spells with somatic components and then exploring their secrets during a lengthy feast. Hit him with that Count Dooku special. (laughs) The secrets coughed up in the crushing embrace of a sigil crag as the hideous thing slowly masticates the caster's limbs are unthinkably powerful. Mm. Each sigil covering a sigil crag's hide allows it to cast a symbol spell of the GM's choosing once per day. 
Most sigil crags are only fortunate enough to enjoy a slow sigil-worthy meal uh, of a few sigil-worthy meals in the course of their lifetime, but particularly old and powerful ones are encrusted nearly completely in these dread runes. That is horrifying. Yeah. I like it. Next, we have the Shard Striker. Okay. A particularly, a particularly gruesome breed of roper is the dreaded Shard Striker. Uh, the strands of a Shard Striker are jagged stone-like threads which rend opponents to shreds even as they ensnare them. These brutish degenerates of the roper race are far less philosophical than the others, but they make up for this shortcoming with a healthy dose of sheer viciousness. Oh my, okay. These demented ropers slice victims to gory bits, often shredding them with all six of their strands. Uh, a strand attack by a shard striker deals 1d8 plus 4 slashing damage as well as dragging the foe. If a shard striker hits a single foe with more than one strand, it also rends them for an additional 2d6 plus 6 slashing damage. That is also horrifying. This yep. is, uh, you know, just going to cheese grater some adventures up. Yep, yep. Oh, my. And that's everything I have on ropers, man. Except for the stat blocks, which we're going to cover after the short rest. Let's take a short rest. It's the grand adventures of Ilian and Bian. Bian, come here. I think I found the entrance to the second level. Ah, uh, excellent. See, uh, it was behind this this tile right here. You press it in, and look, a door slides oh, open. Oh, wow, it just, it just worked, and there was no... Yes. No capture beast, no electrical current flowing through your body. <laughs> well, I, I expect no less of you, Alien. You are wise beyond reason, at times it would seem. And your luck, it seems seems like you have good luck stat. Thank you, Ben. You are yes, too sir. kind. Sorry, I was reminiscing us... over there about the pendant of Plenty's patrons and my lakeside acrylic paintings that I so... Very much yearn to do. Yes, use that as your motivation, Bear. Use it for when we do finally acquire the pendant of plenty. Oh, and patrons, how I wish to acquire it! We shall. The amulet that houses the souls of a thousand generous benefactors. We will know unlimited power. What will unlimited you, funds. What will you know? What will you do? When once you have these I, unlimited, and it's in an amulet, I didn't know that it's in an amulet. I'm going to write that down. Yes, pendant amulet, they're interchangeable. I see, I, I see. Uh, you are very smart. Yes, I, Ilian Star the Green, will perform wonders the likes this world has never seen before. And what? Oh, wait a minute. What is that up there on the ceiling behind you? What? Oh, blocking the. It's it, just on the other side of the door that just opened. What is that? Looks to be a, a stalactite. It, it's it's. It's growing. Geologic. Oh, it is growing. It's sticky. Oh, gosh. What is it? Oh, so many tendrils. I'm going to back up over here. Oh, it's got one big gray yellow eye. It's looking at me. And now it's, it's looking at you. Oh. Oh, God. I believe this is a roper. I've seen, I've heard tales of these before. They are uh, predators of the dark and deep places of the earth. And uh, they they sometimes are more intelligent than one would would automatically surmise. Yeah, I'm pretty smart. Oh, gosh. It's speaking to us, Ben. I have a couple of questions for you guys, if you don't mind. If uh, I answer them, will you let us pass? I mean, I'll think about it, I guess. I mostly just want to talk to you. And you look, hey, you're looking delicious also. But, yeah, no, I'll just, you know, just want to see if you know the answer to some of these questions. I've been, think, I, I've been up here for a while. I've been hanging from the ceiling. I've been thinking about things for quite some time. I just really want to know if you know the answer to some of these questions. I, I am... Well, Sir, I am a wizard. I guarantee you, 
I know the answers to your questions. Ilian can answer any of your questions, you you weird, sticky, elongated beast. But I demand, I demand that in return you allow us to pass to the second level of this dungeon. Hmm, I'll think about it. But in the meantime... I'm going to take that as a yes, you, th you think you can still daydream at night? What? Can you still daydream at night? Well, I... Uh, no, because by definition, your dreams at night would... Well, actually, no. Yes. What? When Bahamut... What? When Bahamut sneezes... What are these questions? What do you, what do you say? What do you say when Bahamut sneezes? Are you like, bless... Bless... Bahamut bless you, or like that'd be redundant if you're talking to him, right? I, you're just going to hit me with hypotheticals. Bahamut's in the room, okay? Okay, Bahamut, the platinum dragon, lord and king of the good dragons on this realm. Continue. Well, I mean, if he sneezed right in front of you, what'd you say? It would be a mighty draconic sneeze of his radiant breath, certainly, and we would all be incinerated on the spot. Are you saying that we wouldn't have the opportunity to bless Bahamut? He sneezed? I'm, uh, yes, I am saying such. Why do banks have branches if money doesn't grow on trees? <laughs> this has to be the last one, right? Like, there's, you don't have more of these. If milk can spoil in an icebox, why doesn't it spoil inside of a cow? <laughs> ben? Ben, can... I'm kill it. I'm at, Be uh, and kill it. All right, I brought my bow. Oh, my eye! <laughs> let's go, Ben. Now maybe we should just walk past it while it's reeling. Yes, okay. let's go. I'm done philosophizing <laughs> with a penis-shaped monster. Which armrest is yours at the movie theater? <laughs> that was good. I think we got it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. We've returned. Do we have? We are fucking back. <laughs> I was going to say something about shooting ropes, but never mind. Oh, uh, don't. No. Uh, if you want to support... Uh, Alien and Beeren and their adventures, because um, I think they just got up to some some weird, nasty stuff. Oh God, how many roasts were shot? Uh, I don't know, um, but <laughs> yeah, you can go. You can do so at Patreon.com/slash The Dungeon Cast, where you can get early episodes of the show ad free and a bunch of cool actual play stuff that we recorded a long time ago. We're working on new stuff; it's taking a long time. Thanks for being patient with us about that. But um, <clears throat> yeah, they're they're. Do you want to talk about the YouTube thing? We forgot to talk about that. Oh Christ! We made like um, the YouTube like thing you know what i mean i do know what you it's mean kinda like it's Patreon, kind of like fun it's to like, talk, eh. see you talk about it well because i don't exactly know what it is <laughs> all right uh so for those of you who uh follow us on youtube we have now opened up youtube memberships so if you want to throw us a few shekels and get some badges some cool like exclusive emojis uh comment uh reply priority and we'll follow you over on social media uh, click that join button under the the YouTube uh, video that you're watching right now, uh, and help support us. It'll, it'll really help us out. Yeah, and you'll, you'll you'll get some cool little knickknacks. When we do Patreon episodes, we'll include you in with the shoutouts as well, and uh, yes, yes. Um, all the stuff plus all the stuff Will said. It, you know, some people don't want to do all the Patreon stuff, mm-hmm. and they've asked us before to do that, and we kind of lagged it. But you know, it's there if you want it. Yeah, if you want to support us, but you don't like Patreon, that's a good way to do yeah. it too. You can you know? become a YouTube member. Yeah, and, you know, we do have, like, people that just watch us on YouTube. Yeah. A lot of folks are coming out of the woodwork to comment for Baldur's Gate 3. Which is awesome. Which we super appreciate. And then there's people that are like, hey, I thought I was subscribed to you, but I'm not. We're going to read um, YouTube comments and stuff. Do you, should we do it this episode or should we wait? For... Hey, man, it's your call. Okay, we'll read some YouTube comments this episode because I think there were a couple episodes of some really good ones. Yeah. And yeah. then um, maybe next time we'll get into some reviews. Okay. But if good. you guys want to leave us an Apple Podcast review and let those, we'll let those pile up a little bit before we read them. It, it's super helpful for visibility on the show. Um, and, and thanks a lot to the Realm Network. We now belong to Realm, so please go check out all of the Realm podcasts and and all those shows. Um, I know our ads are playing on like Dark Dice and stuff like that, so now we're affiliated with that show uh, in in terms of just being on the network and, and things like that. We really appreciate it. I think it's helping uh, the show get exposed to new listeners, and that's that's really awesome. So if you guys are here because you heard us on Realm Network, let us know, and uh, we really appreciate it. Welcome, and I hope you like the show. Indeed. Um, you probably do if you've made it to this part of it. Uh, all right, so I have stat blocks here. 
for the mm-hmm. Roper, for 5e, and then we'll read the Pathfinder stat block as well. Sounds good. A Roper is a large monstrosity of neutral evil that totally doesn't look like a wiener. <laughs> it was weird that it says that. You know what's funny is if you look at the Pathfinder one, it looks way less wienerish. You're right. <laughs> uh, armor class is uh, 20. Natty. HP is 93, or 11d10 plus 33. Its speed is 10 feet. It also has a climbing speed of 10 feet. Very, very slow wiener. Uh, strength is plus 4. Dex minus 1. Con plus 3. Intelligence minus 2. <laughs> wisdom plus 3. And charisma minus 2. Like a bad wiener. And then the skills are perception plus 6 and stealth plus 5. Uh, dark sense, or <clears throat> sorry, senses are dark vision, 60 feet. Passive perception is 16. That's a lot. Languages, it doesn't have languages. It's a wiener. It's not a fourth edition one. You know what? No. Fuck it. I'm pulling up a four, four E stat block just okay. to look at it. That's cool. Uh, challenge rating is five. That's uh, 1,800 experience points. It's proficiency bonus ranks at a plus three. False appearance. While the roper remains motionless, it is indistinguishable from a normal cave formation, such as a stalagmite, be. but, you know, get... Get creative, right? It's a tiny boulder. Grasping tendrils. The roper can have up to six tendrils at a time. Each tendril can be attacked. AC 20, 10 hit points, immunity to poison, and psychic damage. All of a sudden, there's a lot to track. Uh, I just wanted to throw out there that the 4E roper can speak primordial. Why don't we just read the 4E one after this? No, because it's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to confuse people. Yeah, Uh, You're right. It's a level 12 elite controller, so it's like a boss monster or or... Like uh, a mini boss, next, a mini boss, yeah, yeah, for for a level twelve character, so that's pretty that's pretty cool. high. And honestly, they have, um, since we're talking about it, they have a level ten, level twelve, two level fourteens, level fifteen, and a level sixteen version of the Roper, because that's how four you do. Shit. Okay. Anyways, go ahead. Well, destroying a tendril does no damage to that Roper itself, uh, which can extrude a replacement tendril on its next turn. A tendril can also be broken if a creature takes an action and succeeds on a DC 15 strength check against it. Spider climb. The Roper can climb difficult surfaces, including upside down on ceilings, without needing to make an ability check. It has a multi-attack. The Roper makes four, atta- four attacks with its tendrils, mm-hmm. uses reel, and makes one attack with its bite. Bite is a melee weapon attack with plus seven to hit with reach of five feet on one target. It's going to hit for 22 or 4d8 plus four piercing damage. The tendril is a melee weapon attack with plus seven to hit for a reach of 50 feet, 50 feet on one creature. <laughs> That's like the longest reach of most of the stuff we read. Yeah, it's far. because what's this thing's speed? 10. 10 feet. That's why. Yeah. yeah. So it can just like shoot these fucking ropes off. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Uh, hit is gonna the target is grappled the escape DC is 15 until the grapple ends the target is restrained and has disadvantage on strength checks and strength saving throws and the roper can't use the same tendril on another target but I guess you could just attack the tendril and destroy it it only has 10 HP but you know you can't do psychic or poison to it just remember that Um, let's see the roper can't use the same tendril on another target while it's doing that Uh, real the roper pulls each creature grappled up to it by 25 feet straight toward it. So I guess so, it could bite it. Yeah. So I actually really like the the design of this creature because its action economy is stellar. Yeah, it's really, really it good. It makes four tendril attacks. All four of those tendril attacks uh, get reeled. So if all four hit, all four characters get reeled. Yeah. And if any one of those characters is close enough, it also gets a bite. Yeah. So it's just, it's a lot of times in 5e, it's really, really difficult to put a singular monster against a party um, because of action economy. 
Um, legendary actions help a lot with that. Same with mythical actions uh, and layer actions, depending on the creature you're using. But this thing has some great action economy built baked in, and I think it's really cool. It was. It seemed the movement seems thoughtful. The ten feet plus the fifty feet of range mm -hmm. equals two movement turns of most people's movement yeah right? so it's still difficult to get away yeah so even if you dash you might not be out of range mm -hmm. which is it's smart design yeah. and it doesn't pull everybody all the way in all at once 25 feet right halfway mm -hmm. and then it can yeah. do it halfway again so it might be focusing on somebody one at a time while it has just everybody gets pulled in so they can't get too far away from it right exactly yeah, yeah. It keeps pulling you in that's that's a really smart design i think yeah i like um, it i have the roper from pathfinder second edition let's do it sources the bestiary page 282 we're on archives of nethus right now great website uh perception is plus 21 it has dark vision it speaks uh languages aklo which i'm unfamiliar with and undercommon which i'm sure is like the underdark language yeah. Um, skills, athletics, plus 22, nature, plus 17, plus 21 about caves, religion, plus 19, stealth, plus 17, plus 25 in stony or icy areas. <clears throat> By the way, this is a creature, uh, 10 is its difficulty rating rating. That's at the very top. I know you're not used to reading these. Oh yeah. So. It's up at the top, right? Yeah. Creature 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. My bad. Oh, I also didn't read that. It is uncommon CE large and aberration are its tags. I don't know what's chaotic evil. Yeah, chaotic evil is okay. usually what that stands for. Strength yeah. is plus six, dex is plus one, con is plus six, intelligence is plus one, wisdom is plus three, and char character, Jesus, charisma is plus one. AC is 29, <laughs> fortitude plus 20. Uh, ref, what was that again? Uh, reflex. Reflex is plus ref. 15, will is plus 21, and plus two to status on all saves versus magic. Ooh, nice. It has a, a 215 HP. It is resistant to electricity, 10. Weakness is to fire, 10. Uh, reactive lash has that little swoopy. That's the reaction, right? Mm -hmm. Trigger. You got it. A creature within reach of the roper's strand leaves a square during a move action using its effect. The roper makes a strand strike against the triggering creature. Yeah, so it's like a reaction grab if someone moves. Yeah, that's good. Uh, speed is 10 feet. Climb is 10 feet, just like in 5e. Melee for one action is going to be Jaws plus 21. It's going to be plus 16 and plus 11 on consecutive actions. Got Damage it. is 2d12 plus 12 piercing. And yeah. then its second melee action. The numbers is, get so big in Pathfinder Second Edition. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, this is a big monster, it seems like. So uh, melee is Strand is plus 23, and then plus 18, plus 13 on consecutive. Reach is 50 feet. Effect, Sticky Strand. <laughs> Extend strands for an action. The roper extends or retracts six thin sticky tendrils from its body. While the strands are extended, the roper takes a minus four circumstance penalty to stealth checks. And while they're reacted, it can't use its strand strikes. Retracted. Oh, yeah. retracted. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Flurry of strands. The roper makes... Oh, that's one action. The roper makes a strand strike... With each Sally sells seashells by the sea. With each of its strands, except those that are immobilizing creatures, each attack must be against a different target. These attacks count towards the Roper's multiple attack penalty, but its multiple attack penalty doesn't increase until after all the attacks. Pull okay. Do you want me to explain this? Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, it is it has six strands, right? So it, with the flurry of strands, it can make six strand attacks mm -hmm. minus the ones that's immobilizing. Um, so each of these attacks counts towards its multiple attack penalty, but the actual penalty doesn't come into play until after all the attacks happen. So let's, and since that's one action, technically it can make another strand attack, right? Yeah. Except for it would come in at like a negative 
I, 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 I'm pretty sure I keep stacking into the negative. So, I mean, I think it would be like at a negative 30 at that point. Holy shit. Or okay. Something. I, mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. Does, does the, um, multiple attack, uh, penalty, does it stop after it becomes a negative 10? Um, or does it continue stacking a negative five every consecutive attack? Cause if it is every consecutive attack, it's going to be a negative 30 to its next attack roll. Yeah, we're we're still learning Pathfinder, yeah, I, but we, we do want to bring this to the to the table here in like the limited capacity we're able to. Yeah. So. I, it, it, either way, the way this monster is designed, you're not going to want to make another attack after that, anyways, because it's like after six, you probably have some people, so you want to start pulling them in. Right. Yeah. So is that where I was? Pull the strands. Yeah. So that's two actions. The roper pulls every creature grabbed by its strands toward itself. The roper rolls a single attack. Uh, a single athletics check and compares the results to each immobilized creature's fortitude DC. The roper pulls each creature it succeeds against up to 25 feet closer and each creature it critically succeeds against up to 50 feet closer. And then finally, we have the sticky strand. Any creature hit by the roper's strand is enfeebled one and grabbed. Each additional hit from the strand increases the enfeebled condition value by one to a maximum of enfeebled four. <clears throat> this enfeebled value decreases by one every eight hours. The roper can move while it has a creature grabbed with a strand, but it automatically releases the creature if it moves beyond the strand's reach. The roper can release the grabbed creature as a free action. A creature can sever a strand with, an, with a target attack that hits AC 27 and deals at least 18 slashing damage. This doesn't deal any damage to the roper itself, though it can no longer attack with the severed strand. So kind of similar to the 5e one. Yeah, can it grow? Can it grow a new strand back? I don't see that. I didn't see that here either. I think, so I think, I think that's it. Yeah, you can uh, basically... Perma-damage it yeah. on strands. Real quick, so when you're enfeebled, uh, you take a status penalty equal to the condition value to strength-based rolls and DCs, including strength-based melee attack rolls, strength-based damage rolls, and athletics checks. I'm pretty sure that also applies to escaping the grab. So, like, that's the idea. You get grabbed... And now you're enfeebled, so you're worse at escaping grabs. That's interesting. Yeah. So cool mechanic. And if you want to slice off the arm that's grabbed you, you're also worse at doing that because you're enfeebled. Right. So it's. I think this is well designed. Like everything I've seen from Pathfinder Second Edition, I think this is one of the rare instances where the five E design wins out for me. Yeah, the only thing left on the stat block is the Roper treasure, but it mm -hmm. basically covers that. Let's just read it. A Roper keeps treasure from its past victims, often enjoying the items as mementos of prior conversations or delicious flavors. In addition, Roper gizzards often collect small trinkets and gems from those who have been gobbled whole, experienced Darklands adventurers, have all sorts of tall tales of the strange and unexpected findings discovered in Roper gizzard. Yeah. Yeah, but we covered that in the lore, but yeah. it's there on the stat block for you, so don't forget to... Fill your roper up with loot. Indeed. So anything you got on ropers? No. Before we take a long rest. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's it, guys. Let's get ready for a long rest. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the long rest. This is the part of the show where we rest long. Long like a roper, like nine feet long. Will's actually uh, using the restroom right now. I just decided to long rest it alone. He'll come back in. I'll announce it. But I wanted to get going. You can reach out to us on social media. We will say what's up. Or in Discord. You can come talk to us there. There's links below for that. If you want to follow me on Discord or me on Instagram, I'm at Sounds Good Inc. You can see pictures of and reels of my dragon turtle, Sally. She's the tortoise that lives in my backyard and has dug her own burrow. Uh, so... 
you can support us on patreon.com slash the dungeon cast uh or you can use that new youtube thing that will was telling me about the the membership thing uh that's sound seems pretty cool uh what else we got we got the Patreon, the Discord. Oh, Star Seeker's Guide to Dragon Star. And it's perfect timing because Will is entering the studio once again, and he will tell you all about Star Seeker's Guide to Dragon Star. Won't you, William? Won't won't you? Tell us of the book. Hey guys, for those of you who don't know, I'm writing a fifth edition uh source book for a setting called Dragon Star, which is a science fiction slash science fantasy slash space opera. Uh, setting uh, based off Space! of our, based off of our five E live uh, live actual play uh, Super Quest Saga. If you like the vibes of Guardian of the Guardians of the Galaxy or Star Wars, you will probably like this book because it is that type of vibe mixed with some classic D and D stuff. Um, and we have pre orders open. Um, I'm working really hard on the book. Should have it done by the end of the year. Um, and if you are interested, check out drakenstar.com. The link is in the description. And, uh, if you like it, you know, support us and give us a pre-order. Everything Will said is true. Uh, once again, notes below. And you can, uh, get your chance to win a copy of Baldur's Gate 3, which we are giving away on our YouTube channel. Uh, so we are about to hit 50,000 subscribers within the next, like, month here, it looks like, or so. Mm-hmm. Or two, I don't, I'm not really sure exactly how long, because the so you guys are coming out of the woodwork and the subscriber count is climbing, and and we're marching there. It's a big milestone for us, and we've been doing the YouTube thing for a while now. We don't make a lot of YouTube exclusive stuff, but we do have extra content there that does not air on the podcast feed, uh, like deep dive lore videos, like ten minute things that are that are pretty cool, or like our D and D explained. It's a really great way to get people into the game or explain it to people that might not know what you're doing. Like D and D explained in five minutes is the title. It's our most viewed video uh it's got over a million views they played it at um what is it the alamo draft house in los angeles before they played the D movie to kind of get people on par with what it was super yeah. awesome i'm about to use my they sent us some tickets as a thank you oh, and i'm yeah. about to use, mine. to use mine yeah we're gonna go watch oceans 11 they're replaying it at oh, the theater that's cool. hell that's yeah nice. uh me and my wife really like that movie so i um i like the whole series i'm one of those weird people that thinks 12 is like the absolute best one is that the one where they go they to do Europe. the hotel thing and they go into they they parachute off the hotel at the end don't remember that. the casino or whatever like at the end they and it's um, got the mob boss guy no so I mean, that's three isn't it yeah that's three what's two two is the Julia one roberts they... is a lot in two right yeah. Uh, two is where they go to Europe. Basically, uh, ah, yeah, that's the right. The casino guy hunts them all down. That's right. And uh, basically, I love that dude. Yeah, no, he's great. They, they basically gives them an ultimatum of like, give me my money back or like I'll kill everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, and and to make it worse, he's hired like one of the best heist dudes in the world to steal the thing they're trying to steal. Yeah, to compete first. with them yeah, so yeah, he can yeah. kill them all. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, it's I love twelve. I know everyone thinks 12 is the worst one. I think it's the best one. Okay. Um, I like three. Um, I need to watch. I, I really like the original Ocean's Eleven. Um, I've never seen the original. Oh, my God. I've never seen the original. I mean, the new one is superior, but the classic feel of the old one, sure. like the way it's filmed and all that, it's it. a lot of fun. Yeah. There, We're going to go watch the remake. Um, but anyway, we're on tangent now, and uh, that, that's why I was so mad at the Solo movie, the Han Solo movie. Oh, uh, why? Because I wanted it to be oceans 11-esque in oh, space it wasn't a high school no it was a fucking isn't han solo so lucky and cool Ugh, woody harrelson dies damn it 
Sorry for spoilers on Solo movie. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I covered everything. <laughs> we don't have a Twitter anymore because fuck Elon Musk, I guess. And we do have a Twitter. I mean, we have one. It's, it's called X, X now. Which is dumb. But you can catch us on, like, I don't think. Will says he has everything linked on Mastodon and, like, all that all that stuff. Yeah. The you know, links are in the description. We have Mastodon. We have Threads. We have, uh, I'm still calling it Twitter. And we have um, Instagram. So I'm doing stuff. Go check it out. Yeah. And uh, I already told you about my Instagram and all that. Discord. Yeah. Um, I think that's everything. Um. All right. Well, then, in that case, let's call it a game. Let's call it a game. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.